Hi, welcome to the Food in the Age podcast, and I'm your host, JP McMahon. Okay, guys, you're very welcome to the Food in the Edge podcast this week. And today I'm talking to uh, Inga Mehes uh, from uh, the director of uh, gastronomics in, uh, in the Netherlands. Hi, Inga, you're very welcome to the Food in the Edge podcast. Hi. Thank you, JP. Good. How are you today? I'm good. Yeah, the sun is shining in the Netherlands, finally. <laughs> we had so many weeks of rain, so it's finally uh, summer over here. The sun is shining here as well, but usually in Ireland, the sun shines for about one week a year. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so we're going to, it is like nearly 30 degrees, which is absolutely exceptional for Ireland. It doesn't, wow, like, yeah. It doesn't normally get to, so we have yellow and orange warnings. People are, uh, I was, uh, don't bring your dog for a walk during the day and all those things. Um, oh, really? Oh, gosh. Yeah, because yeah. we're not used to the heat at all. So you will see lots of red people over the next, Days because, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, got, just... I even got sunburned uh, last weekend, so I was a bit too enthusiastic, I guess, <laughs> about yeah. the sun. And and how are how are things in the in in the Netherlands at the moment in, in relation to? I mean, I'm sure you know that it, we're hoping to reopen indoor dining in Ireland on Tuesday, but it's with a, a vaccine certification, and that ah, brings yeah. certain issues with regard to hospitality. I hope it's it's going to go plain sailing but we're still in the middle of a I suppose a, a small fourth wave of the delta variant but how have, how has the the Netherlands been over over the last few weeks and months um well restaurants are open for I think already a month or two maybe three even um but uh, of course over here the delta variant is also uh spreading uh, pretty uh, pretty fast um so restaurants are open, outdoor dining, indoor dining, of course, with restrictions of one and a half meter um, and not too many people on, on uh, uh, every square meter. Um, but yeah, things are going quite well for restaurants, uh, for nightclubs and, and bars. And that's a different story. Uh, they got closed down again uh, two weeks ago. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, when uh, when the Delta variant was taking over, I guess. Um, so uh, maybe I think it will be October before. I, I can only guess, but I think yeah. it will be October before the the nightclubs and also the theaters. I, I feel I feel sorry for the theaters because the yes, cinemas yeah. the cinemas are open, but yeah. because of the live performance element and actors beside each other and all that, like theater is is suffering as much as food actually. I yeah. think um uh, I think and how is how has it been for I suppose gastronomic restaurants in terms of I mean is there much influence in, in terms of tourism in the Netherlands at the moment or is there enough um local population to sustain it? Well like one of the issues in Ireland is that well we're, we're predominantly we we rely on tourism. So effectively when we reopen in here next week, hopefully we're opening to like a fifty percent vaccine capacity but with, with very few tourists. So mm-hmm. I am concerned about uh, uh, gastronomic restaurants in Ireland, as well as many other restaurants, but particularly restaurants that rely on, on, on tourism. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, you hear a lot of uh, stories, uh, mainly, of course, from Amsterdam, Rotterdam, the big cities. Uh, they are quiet, so uh, not many tourists, not as much as they are used to. Um, at first, that was sort of a relief for the people in the city, I think. I can uh, imagine Amsterdam with, with yeah. the license. <laughs> I yeah. think they get more tourists. Oh, I don't know. Like, I, can't, I don't know. I can't remember the volume. But like they get like uh, exponentially far more tourists in Amsterdam than they get in the whole of Ireland. Remember yeah, it's bigger, huge. Bigger before. Yeah, it's it's definitely like uh, there are many initiatives of of sort of uh, cutting down tourism in Amsterdam, and um, people uh, uh, were complaining about it uh, constantly. But of course, for well, culinary tourism, uh, they experience uh, less guests. Uh, but luckily. We also hear uh, a lot of stories that, um, uh, well, people from the Netherlands, they just really want to go out dining and really want to go to cafes and everything. People are uh, really longing for, well, uh, spending their free time with each other and, and in restaurants. And so that's not the big issue, uh, I believe. Restaurants are fully booked. Uh, you, if I think last week I wanted to make a reservation and, uh, out of the, I think, eight restaurants I tried in my hometown, uh, Dembos, uh, seven of them were fully booked. So that's a good sign, I guess. Oh, that's good. I mean, at least then yeah. there's, a, there's a certain, um, I suppose, demand. I mean, and, and hopefully that will happen as well uh, in, in Ireland when we reopen. We don't experience, or at least I don't hear any stories of people really being super cautious and, and are afraid of going out or are afraid of going to a restaurant. So, um, I, well, there will be people that still uh, uh, social distance and, and still uh, stay at home as much as possible, but um, they are not, uh, um, uh, well, there are not the most of them. And the, the, you, you said there is no um, like um, uh, passport system, vaccine passport system in the Netherlands. It's just the social distancing and um, and masks or uh, well, and, uh, we, well, we don't have masks anymore. Uh, oh wow! Which I find, yeah, which I find quite strange to be honest, but. Um, uh, a few weeks ago, the government sort of dropped all restrictions all at once and nobody really saw that coming. Um, and there was a lot of, uh, well, anticipation, like, uh, is this a, go a good idea? Uh, should we really do drop all those restrictions all at once? And they have to, uh, they did have to come back uh, on their, uh, well, sort of release day or I don't know how it's called in, in the UK. Uh, yeah. Freedom Day or something. I know. Yeah. Uh, well, they're they're they're, uh, they're quite um. What's the word? Um, confident, overly confident in the yeah. UK. I don't even think we uh, our Freedom Day in Ireland is a long way off. I think. Um, yeah. yeah well, uh, <laughs> we we had a sort of unexpected Freedom Day, and everybody was uh, well, really uh, had their doubts about it, and the government sort of needed to come back on it. Uh, within a week or two by closing the nightclubs and festivals and everything. So that's, uh, yeah, well, it's, it's horrible for those industries at first. And it's really, um, well, mainly focused on the youngsters. So the, the boys and girls in their twenties going out and yeah, uh, it's they the are same spreading here with the, the virus. 
yeah. with the with the I suppose ironically the last people to to get vaccinated um exactly, are the, are the, yeah. the young people um so it's it's the same I suppose it's the the, the same issue here but lucky yeah, and hopefully uh, it'll um, it'll be uh, I suppose it'll be over this the, by the winter but <laughs> that's what we said last winter so we we, we don't know yeah. But yeah, uh, I really hope uh, there won't be another, uh, um, another well explosion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or then, yeah, I'd, I'd really start to uh, start to worry. Nothing I'm worried now. But I wanted to yeah. talk to you also about the, um, I suppose the the the, the platform that that you have um, created yeah. with uh, with your partner, um, or also a project. But it's also a great a great learning tool. Um, gastronomics and and you set that up in in in, uh, in 2012 and I know you you spoke at a food in the edge I think in 2016 about it yeah. and I mean I I I love the platform you know that and I think it's a great it's a great tool for for chefs uh, but I just wanted to, you, what yeah. was to for you to take me through the um, what brought you to the point of setting that up and and how how it has been how it has been working and and where you where you feel it um it's going to go in the future yeah sure yeah uh well like you mentioned we started off in 2012 already uh nine years ago um and then it was only uh available in dutch i think since 2014 we're available in english too um, and uh, since a few years, we're really focusing on expanding gastronomics in the UK and Ireland. Um, and also, of course, in our main country, uh, the Netherlands and Belgium. Um, and well, we we started it because uh, my business partner, Jeroen, um, he's a chef um, originally. And he uh, always had this feeling like, OK, there is a lot of inspiration available, uh, magazines, uh, YouTube videos, uh, well, anything you can think of, but um, there is no source that offers inspiration in the form of building blocks. Hmm. So you always get inspiration in the form of dishes, and then most chefs pick a few components from that dish uh, that suit their cooking style or that they want to try. Um, and then we thought, okay, how if we uh, sort of construct, deconstruct dishes into uh, building blocks and we make them available online for all chefs um, as a sort of database or platform um, and that chefs can use those components to uh, create dishes for themselves. Because if you, we, we often compare ourselves to Lego um, mm. If you give a kid a uh, hundred bricks of Lego and another kid, you give you give the, another kid also a hundred bricks of Lego, they both build something completely different. Um, it's just well, what you imagine uh, um, that you want to build. Do you want to build a house? Do you want to build a a car? I don't know. Uh, and in this case, with components, it's quite the same. Do you want to create a starter or do you want to create a, a main course? Um, yeah, and then so, for me, yeah. what I mean, one of the reasons, one of the reasons why I suppose I like it, and is 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 precisely because of that. Because often for me, I, I don't necessarily know what the end product is going to be yet. But with yeah. those building blocks, because sometimes I, I sometimes actually find one or two of the building blocks there, and then make that, and that leads on in turn to another aspect. Um, and so I think particularly for our, our menu in Anir, which is very product orientated, so. A product mm -hmm. comes in, 
and then we we have to make a dish from it. So it's not like we have a dish in mind and then yeah. and then we then all of a sudden we we go look for the product. So the product comes in. So I find it very useful when, say for example, lobster is a good one. So we get lobsters in and we go, yeah. okay, we what could we do with this? And so it, it is it's a very useful tool for I think for creativity and then also for innovation because there are some very simple Absolutely. processes and then there are some very complex complex processes. So. And you can you can play uh, between those two. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there are several, um, I think, starting points. So, yeah, what you mentioned, if you have a product uh, uh, that's in season that you want to use or you have a product that's on sale that you want to use, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a great starting point to, well, go to gastronomics, type in your ingredients, and uh, you'll get, well, uh, tens of IDs, dozens of IDs, uh, in uh, in uh, a few seconds, you don't have to go through uh, all your cookbooks or, uh, yeah, it's it's one source that offers a lot of uh, knowledge and inspiration. And how how was it received when you when you set it up in two thousand and twelve? Uh, I mean, amongst if it was if it was just the the population of um, uh, of um, of Holland it was only in Dutch, so since you had some some yeah. of Bel- uh, Belgium as well. But how did, how how was it received? Well, that's an interesting thing because uh, we already had a, a good network of uh, chefs. We we knew a lot of chefs in the Netherlands, uh, also the Michelin star chefs. But uh, uh, um, yeah, uh, that so that was really our our, uh, our early adopters. Uh, um, and it's interesting because back in 2012, a lot of chefs were still sort of. Uh, holding their cards against their chest and they were like no it are my recipes and I don't want yeah. to share it and that is something that really has changed uh, over the years so chefs are way more open and of course this is under influence of platforms like Facebook and Instagram um, chefs show what they can uh, uh, create they they want to show which dishes they have on, on their menu and um, well, the, the the way of interacting has become more easy. Um, but then again, well, to have a good recipe that's triple checked uh, um, and well, that you can use right away without having to waste time on trial and error. That's, um, I think, a, a huge advantage for uh, for many chefs because we're all they're all busy with uh, other things than than yeah. cooking. And, 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 and even even I was even I was showing it to. Uh, uh, a, a baker friend of mine yesterday um, on Kutsky in in, um, in Bread 41 in Dublin and I was, I was just introducing him to it and, and showing him like the, the platform but we were talking about like uh, and it's the, in the issue the idea of collaboration and and still I mean it's still I suppose maybe it is 50-50 whereas I think in the past it was very much these are our recipes and that's um, mm-hmm. uh, that's that's uh, we're going to keep them secret. And now I think we're somewhere in the middle, where I, I think many chefs, I suppose, like myself and and, and others, will are very willing. If somebody asks me for a recipe, I give it to them because I don't think it's. I think the recipe is just one aspect of what we do in the restaurant. Um, yeah, and I think that's why for me the platform is good in the sense that it it, it almost encourages collaboration and encourages a certain. I wouldn't say ego less, but a, a much a much less ego driven cooking where you're you're cooking mm-hmm. and, and this is your recipe and therefore you're not gonna hand it out to anyone and then the stealing and these all these things. And I think yeah. that it, it does bring a, a, a more kind of uh 
democratic angle to the to the idea of writing recipes. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And it's it's like evolution, right? Uh, uh, you learn how to ride a bike uh, thanks to your parents or godparents, um, and you learn how to cook by sharing the knowledge and and sharing uh, recipes. Um, and in the end, the end result is is has so much more to do with with just the recipes. It's the combination of what's on the plate, and it's the combination of the the cooking and and the um, well the hospitality experience in the restaurant and everything uh, that goes with it. I think this is yeah this is really important and, and possibly then it is it is it is more of a, a refocusing uh, even though it is uh, the platform is for chefs and it and it is and it is it is uh, recipe oriented or, or or building recipes. It does give you opportunity to focus on other things, as you said, like the hospitality or the old the, all the different elements. That, that are involved in running a restaurant. Because I think for many people, and possibly this is down to the media interest in chefs, that the whole restaurant becomes about the chef and his or her recipe. Whereas the, mm-hmm. to run a restaurant, there's so many different uh, building blocks and, and only one part of them is, I suppose, the food and getting the food right. And I think the, uh, the yes. hospitality for me is, 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 is so important because I think that, um, it, it's how you make a difference sometimes when I suppose everyone has access to different uh, different stuff. There are many, many Michelin stars. And I think hospitality is something as how you how you separate yourself and, and how you bring your, your own person into um, um, into, uh, into into the restaurant. Absolutely. Yeah. You see it also outside of the restaurant or hospitality industry that service has become so much more important over the years. And I think that's something too with that we do with gastronomics. Like uh, we're not uh, your average platform in the sense of, okay, you get access and do your thing, but we really try to listen to our users and, and get feedback and improve the platform um, and yeah, do the, the customer support that's needed with a big smile on our faces and uh, to help chefs really uh, uh, in their work, in, in their uh, inspiration process or creativity process. So, yeah. And, and, and initially, did you, did you get funding initially? Like whether it's from the Netherlands or, or, or European level, because it is such a like, great educational tool. Yeah, well, we've uh, looked into that, but uh, up until now, we uh, um, funded the platform with um, uh, bank loans, and recently we attracted an investor. So uh, we're still building, and and um, yeah, we're we're still improving uh, the service. Because it really, for me, it is something, and I'm always amazed that um, that because, but and younger people are so tech savvy much more tech savvy than say myself yeah. and yet when i show them the platform they're like it seems that they haven't caught up i mean of course they know instagram for looking at different dishes and that but when when you when you tell them about various platforms and, and, and gastronomics being one of them that they that they are they're not aware of them and i think it's really important that the the chef schools around europe particularly in the uk and ireland yeah. because i think it will help and it will assist and it also helps that because i think student numbers are, are, are bigger and then teachers are can't get to everyone. So I think it is a useful uh, in-between for, for the students to learn uh, in their own time. 
Yeah, well, we in the Netherlands, we have uh, right now we have, uh, I think, 25 or maybe even 30 um, culinary schools that are working with gastronomics in their lessons. So all students have Brilliant. access to uh, gastronomics. And uh, so that are about 2000 students that are working with gastronomics during their education. And of course, we hope that they uh, are convinced about the platform and they will keep using it uh, when they leave uh, their uh, their school yeah that's that, that, that's that's uh, that's that's fantastic and i know like we um you you trained as a food designer yeah and correct. I suppose, and, and what like i suppose for me i mean maybe for our, for our listeners i mean is that was that in a in a, in a in a culinary college or was it in a like in a tech in a, a technical institute uh, to be honest, it was in uh, agri uh, culture uh, uh, high oh. school. Is it called high okay. school? I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. okay, wow. Yeah. So it's uh, it's a bachelor's degree, um, and it's mainly about, of course, product knowledge, uh, but also packaging, uh, photography, marketing, uh, product development. So it's a bit of uh, both sides, like technical and marketing. Um, concept development was one of the uh, biggest courses. So, um, yeah, to give an example, we, we had uh, uh, blocks of 10 weeks each. So four uh, blocks of 10 weeks uh, during a school year. And every block we get a, um, a, a real um, assignment by a company. So, for instance, um, an aubergine um, 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 cooperation that asked us as, as students how can we improve the aubergine uh, consumption in the Netherlands and then we created several kinds of, of uh, concepts and ideas to uh, improve it um, but also create a new um, dessert for a dessert company um, uh, that's a supermarket brand um, and also, yeah, all kinds of, of projects. So that was really um, a creative education, uh, but also technical. And um, from that on, I moved to a more um, digital marketing um, perspective. So I did several um, uh, courses uh, in, uh, in that case, yeah. And you can see how that, I suppose, even when you're talking about the origin there, like you can see how that would lead would lead you to, or how that would influence when you when you set up gastronomics. I suppose that's taking a part of things, and when you see like the the image of the of the origin or whether it's a, a deer or something, and then all the different components coming from it, and uh, and yeah. it, 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 uh, unlocking the potential inside it. Yeah, well, I think uh, during my education, uh, I was already convinced that uh, the big food trends, they most of the time they start in gastronomy. Um, best example, I think, is the carpaccio. Um, it started in Italy in, in well, the, the best restaurants, and now it's you can buy it in the supermarket. Mm. Um, so if you have that idea in mind and and well you look at what happens in gastronomy you can uh, extract a lot of ideas uh, for concept development for supermarket products and and other brands um, but yeah it was after my uh, education that i um, uh, got to know uh, jeroen my business partner um, and he uh, worked for several years for a big uh, dairy company in the netherlands 
Friesland Campina. Um, and he did concept development for, well, the big brands, the, the McDonald's and, and uh, mm. big amusement parks, uh, Starbucks and everything. Um, always uh, considering dairy. Um, and he started for uh, his own company to do concept development for other brands. Um, and when we met, he had this idea of, um, well, giving chefs that database of, uh, of inspiration and of recipes. So from there on, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it started rolling. Yes, that, that, that's, uh, that, sounds, uh, that sounds great. And what, made, what, what brought you to the point of, of, of being interested in, in, in food design? I mean, were, were your parents? Uh, involved in food or was it something you I suppose, got, got interested in uh, as, as a teenager? Yeah, I, uh, I am uh, a farmer's daughter. So my, oh, cool. uh, yeah, my mom and dad, they had a, a, a cow farm, a dairy farm. Uh, and wh- where was that? Also in the Netherlands. And, and uh, um, it's, it's quite a famous uh, area right now because it's uh, uh, the, 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 uh, farm doesn't exist anymore, by the way, because, um, um, well, this gets a bit complicated maybe, but uh, mm. due to go- global warming, uh, the Netherlands uh, is working, has been working for the past few years on uh, the um, dikes and, and uh, restoring some areas to, um, uh, I don't know how to call it in English, but uh, if the water gets high, then they uh, pick certain areas that they can flood uh, without, yeah. well, causing any damage. Mm. Um, and they picked our, uh, um, where we lived, where we had our farm, we picked that, they picked that area a few years ago, or well, almost 20 years ago. Um, and uh, well, that's, that's now completely rebuilt. And um, so my parents don't have the farm anymore, but uh, it definitely influenced my uh, view on, on food and um, the lifestyle that we have uh, as a family because, well, we uh, enjoy good food. Uh, we uh, like to go to restaurants um, and we know how it's produced and we know uh, how hard it is to produce food and, uh, well, to be a farmer. Um, so, yeah, that, that's definitely uh, uh, the starting point of my and what, food what, what, was it a bit? Was it a big farm uh, or... Like a, um, like a, for Dutch uh, um, uh, associations, I think it was a big farm. Uh, back then, we had around a hundred cows. Okay. Um, and I think right now um, uh, it would be considered as a small farm because yeah, well, might, uh, for me that'd be that'd be a small farm. But uh, yeah. I thought I, I, I still not. Well, then, so what? What was um? I suppose what was food like for you growing up? Uh, I suppose were on on the farm. I mean, was it quite uh, traditionally orientated in terms of in terms of um, in terms of uh, being Dutch? Um, well, growing up on a farm uh, and always being outside, playing outside, uh, um, really made me, I think, uh, uh, convinced of the value of it, um, and well, also being able to see the production process uh, from that close uh, uh, also made me value it better, I think. Um, And 
yeah, I I always that that Burgundy lifestyle is really, uh, uh, yeah, that's that's just that's something that was there from from day one. Um, yeah, and it's interesting because I, I I spoke to uh, Alberto Alberto Alangraft um, a, a few weeks ago as part of the podcast, and he also grew up on a farm, and it's that's interesting. Uh, and he said it has it has affected the way I suppose he he. He does business and the way he I suppose, interacts with his suppliers and uh, his producers, rather. And he actually said, I don't have suppliers. We just have, we have farmers or producers that we work with. Yeah. Um, and so it has, it has certainly colored his um, vision. And he's actually saying, even though he didn't appreciate it, appreciate it then, he said all that he's trying to do now is, all, is almost try to get back to a position of, <laughs> of what they had. Because I suppose Brazil has become so industrialized in the last 20 or 30 years yeah. that it is very hard to just just call into a farm now i mean it, it, in ireland we're, we're not we're, we're we're lucky in the sense that you still probably know someone who has a farm mm-hmm. and and we have a, a a good connection to the land but it, but with each generation we do have a move away and, and that and it is harder and harder to i suppose know someone who is a farmer or who is uh to where the food comes from and, and i think this 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 establishes a greater disconnect you know and yeah. it, as you, in Europe I can see that happening because the population is much bigger so if it's in France or the Netherlands or Germany mm-hmm. it's very unlikely that you if you live in a city that you know a farmer or that where yeah. your food is coming from and I think this is uh, it's an important uh, I think tool to uh, or an important aspect I think that that we need to I suppose we emphasize you know absolutely yeah I think uh, um, well right now I live in a small city in the Netherlands, but I definitely appreciate growing up in a small village on a farm uh, and and having that roots. Um, and and I know for sure that there are many many uh, people my age who don't know farmer, uh, haven't been on a farm uh, in their entire life. So uh, from that point of view. And it's also, um, I learned how to cook. And that's something that uh, not everyone can say anymore, unfortunately. So no, that's uh, true. my mom did a really good job at always uh, um, um, yeah, attracting us uh, to the cooking and, and let us help with cooking. And um, I see it with a, a few of my friends. Luckily, I have really uh, culinary and, and foodie friends, uh, but some of them, they just they can't cook and I just can't wrap my head around it that it's just not uh, of interest and it's not something that you learned um, as a kid. No, and I'm, I'm still always trying to uh, uh, promote food education for, for primary school children in Ireland. And, and maybe yeah. this, is, this is another step another level of, of you can have gastronomics junior <laughs> when, yeah. uh, when because it's always something and it is so hard to change I mean maybe it's habits I don't know uh, to try and well, like we have a, 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 a cooking subject home economics in, in secondary school but we still have none in, in primary school and yeah. unfortunately between I don't know three and ten if children don't cook at all it's very hard to get them into cooking at 11 or 12 then if they've never cooked whatsoever. And I think that often it is too late by the time they get to 12 or 13 to yeah. start yeah. start from cooking. And, and, and often these are very simple things. Like we, I've talked to different chefs like Doreen Allen in Ireland about it. it, it it's not about learning to cook complicated recipes. It's, it's more about learning, uh, learning to 
to know what to do with food is in like say for example eggs and what can mm-hmm. you do with them or flour or like it's more again similar to to the way gastronomics is broken up it is it's looking at getting an ingredient and then going oh what, mm-hmm. what can i make from this uh, yeah, and, as, and really as, just the basics, just how to fry an egg or how to boil an egg, how to bake a pancake. And uh, you don't have to, well, start making your own sourdough bread. I, I, yes, it's, exactly. it's amazing if you're, if you're able to, of course, but um, just be able to, being able to take care of yourself and, and uh, don't have to order takeout or, or eat uh, the, the takeaway salads or, or the uh, ready prep meal from the supermarket. It's, it's, it would be good for everyone on so many levels to learn how to cook just the basics. No, yeah, I, 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 def- I definitely think so. Um, yeah. And, and hopefully it'll, um, we, we, uh, we might get there, might get there uh, someday, but I, I'm, I'm still surprised how many, like ironically, how many men there are in the industry cooking and yet, same time when in secondary school how how few men there are cooking in the subject that involves cooking so i like it's weird the way like when i did the home economics i think there was three three boys among i don't know 25 girls yeah but then and but yet when it comes to working in the in the in the restaurant there seems to be far more um the, it seems to it seems to flip and, and it is getting better with uh, more and more um women in the in the industry but i still think there is greater balance uh, much greater balance needed yeah. in terms of yeah. uh, in terms of this and there's many uh, uh reasons because of but actually and i i, I don't know if if, if 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 this is something that happens in Netherlands. actually when i was talking to Owen, who runs a bakery nearly all his staff are women and they, yeah. it's all it's bakery and it's croissants and sourdough and uh and it's interesting how that that kind of um that is i suppose that that, that activity attracts uh, women more than it does men in spite of like uh, and, and then the restaurants I always have a, a, a big problem getting um, getting female staff um, and I, I don't know why that is the, 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 the case yeah we see uh, in the Netherlands we see more um, um, women starting their education in, in culinary education but um, well, in the industry, it's still uh, I think eighty percent um, male. Yeah, and I think even cheese. There are more female cheesemakers in Ireland than there are men. Mm, but okay, yeah, yeah. But there are more. There are more chefs. But I just it's, it's interesting. I mean, perhaps someone has done has done research into I suppose the different fields and why the some uh, elements of production end up more, with more uh, more women more women in them than. Um, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure having children and pregnant uh, family and all these things contribute to mm-hmm. the the reason why um, that there are there are there are uh, there are less women in the put in the less women cooking than there are um, than there are in the baking or there are in the in the in the in the cheese um, uh, make, making in the, making industry. Yeah, and maybe also the the well traditionally long days uh, on your feet, and and uh, it's quite a tough job still. But um, yeah, but, but I, I think there are lots of. I think it's always. A, I think sometimes it, what happens is the media only look at the very top level, and I yeah, think as you same. go down, you will find loads of jobs where um, if you can you can work in food and work nine to five and never work a weekend. 
you know? Yeah. And I think it's probably important that people, that people know this. And I think that's often when chefs go into college, they're thinking, I'm going to have to work every weekend. I'm going to have to work every night. And I'm going to miss every event. And, but I think there are re- some really good jobs now in food that, that don't involve working any nights at all. And, uh, Absolutely, yeah. and I, think, I think maybe the pandemic will actually rebalance uh, things. Yeah. And uh, because we, sure, I, it has been such a long time since I've worked tonight. It's been last summer um, yeah, well, when yeah. I worked in, in Cava. And it's been actually in an year, it's been since last January, so January 20, 18 months ago. So it will be strange to go back into this, into this habit of, mm-hmm. um, of working nights and, and, and uh, with, with a nine and a 12 year old uh, girl. Yeah. It, it is it is more difficult with a with a with a young family when you um, because I suppose yeah but they're always asking you, you why 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 you work the weekends and then why during the summer when all their friends are on holidays you're you're working as hard as you can yeah um, and then you you can bring them on holiday in the in the winter and then they go I don't want to go on holiday in the winter okay. you can go we can go away in January <laughs> they're like no you're wrong um, yeah well I think that's one of the 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 good takeouts of this whole pandemic that uh, a lot of chefs also uh, were forced to take some time off and and spend time with family and appreciate that free time um i hear it a lot uh, of chefs that they really that they're that it they are making a switch between um um well only working, work, and work, and and spending some more time with their families, and um, also the uh, I think this is a subject that has been discussed on Food on the Edge several times. The the shorter work weeks, the four day work week, even, um, and and I think the pandemic um, will cause uh, a shift in that too. A, a, well, maybe a, a catalyzation uh, in that too. Yeah, I think that the, the, the key takeout of one of the, the good advantages that we could take out of the pandemic is that um, uh, some more time off uh, isn't that bad. So uh, I know chefs were forced to take some time off and, and uh, spend time with their family and maybe even try a new hobby. Um, and uh, I hear a lot of chefs talking about uh, uh, their thoughts on well, uh, a shorter work week, um, maybe even four days and, and giving staff the time to also see their kids grow up or, or spend time with friends. And I think that's one of the good things that we can hopefully take away from uh, the whole COVID uh, situation. Yeah, I think I think definitely. I even think personally, uh, I think I could confirm to all of those things that you were saying. I think definitely spending more time with the kids, not working as much and I think maybe realizing that I mean I can I can achieve a better balance and still and still have the restaurants and still um yeah and still and still work um yeah. uh, in the way and I think that the the the, the pandemic has said has uh, has, uh, has has shown us that um, absolutely and I think as you were saying possibly shorter work weeks um uh, also the um, uh, I think also even just pay, even doing doing different things. I think sometimes when you when you're working with food, you become obsessed with food, and then that's all you do. And then you're in mm-hmm. the restaurant, and even like I started painting again in the pandemic, and it's something that I was going, "Oh, I really like." And it's just another avenue for creativity, yeah. and it's it's not it doesn't. But before I suppose I would have felt, "Oh, look, I mean, uh, 
I think I nearly stopped doing everything except food. And it was almost become, you become a one track, like this is the restaurant and you go in and you work and, uh, yeah. and, and you do, I suppose, uh, unfortunately put so much aside, whether it's family, all different activities and uh, your even exercise and health. And so I hope, uh, I hope that is, as you said, a good thing to come out is that maybe people rebalancing and saying, you know what, maybe I don't need to work five nights a week or even six nights a week in some cases. And, we don't need to do lunch and dinner. I, I still think that I would love to see that changing, uh, particularly at, 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 at two and three Michelin star level, that, that they would have different brigades for, for lunch and dinner because I think that we, we have to get beyond the point where you can have one team for five days and you do five yeah. dinners and, and five uh, five lunches because I, I think that we would start losing people exponentially in, the, yeah. in this industry. I believe uh, Circo, uh, you know Circo from uh, Pure Sea, yeah. is doing that already. I'm not sure, but I know he he was um, uh, talking about this uh, a few years ago, having different brigades for different shifts. Yeah, yeah, and, and even if there's some crossover, but I, it's still it's just that it, that you're not doing uh, every single lunch or every single dinner because I think that what happens is there's a certain institutionalization and and you, and you become almost uh, that's all you can do and if you spend long enough doing that then I, I think you you almost leave behind everything in terms of uh, where your other uh, other activities that you mm -hmm. may have been doing before you became a chef and I, I think we need to make uh, people less one-dimensional rather than more one-dimensional yeah uh, and I know that they've been talking about since the 60s but at the same time I think that the, the the more strings you have on your bow, I think the, the better uh, better you you um uh you, you can cope with different things. Absolutely, yeah. But then you have another discussion. Uh, I'm afraid if there's uh, uh, the staff shortage, uh, oh, yeah. is that something in in Ireland? Uh, that's yeah, it's, re it's really bad. Actually, we're just yeah. literally by the, our uh, receptionist just beside me. He was he's winging people to cancel them next week because we don't have enough staff to open. Um, a cava would usually open seven days a week because normally we would have loads of staff um, yeah. and um, we were only going to be able to open five days so we're cancelling a lot of reservations and like it is a little bit worrying I mean hopefully it will only last into August but mm -hmm. we're, we're losing nearly eight to ten thousand a week because we don't have enough staff and, um, That's huge, and yeah. our overheads are still the same and mm -hmm. I mean, all the staff in Cava would work about 45 hours a week. So we were, we're not asking them to work six or seven days. And look, we're, we had nearly everyone pre-pandemic was working four days a week in Cava because Cava is, is very busy. So we had we had decided that like four four shifts or four and a half shifts was more than enough because mm -hmm. it's just too it's just too long and, and, and the kitchen is downstairs and there's no windows and I just it, it's not um it, the pace the environment is just is it, it, very fast. It's very yeah. different. To, it's very different to an ear, um, yeah. but still, now we're back to a point where we we literally don't have enough people. And uh, I I think it's a combination of, of people leaving the industry and then also a combination of many people working in the industry would have been from mainland Europe or might have been from America, and all, all of those people are not here anymore. There, some mm -hmm. of them got home and they're staying at home until things are a little bit more or a little bit less precarious. But there is yeah. still. There is still the fear um, that we will open up next week and in five weeks' time will be, I don't know, there will be another variant. Or we don't know. I suppose we don't know what's coming down the track. Yeah, and, true. Um, I just hope that, okay, we'll get open and 
there will be um, we'll, we'll get to September, October, I suppose, because all the schools and the colleges are back then. So mm-hmm. then you have many more thousands of people uh, coming back mingling, and that's more. So it's uh, I feel if we don't open now, we will miss the window slot over. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, hope uh, is 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 there a staff a staff um, problem in 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 the Netherlands as well? Yeah, there is, and I, I recently I spoke to uh, Claire and Martin from Chef Publishing, uh, Chef and Restaurant Magazine in the UK, mm. um, and they mentioned it too that it's in the UK it's it's uh, uh, a horrible, but it has something to do with in the UK they um, during the pandemic um, staff was able to uh, take on another job. Uh, when they were working in hospitality industry um, at first, and uh, they never returned because uh, uh, it were better conditions uh, in the uh, different industries. So that's a huge loss uh, in the UK. I heard, and here in the Netherlands, it's um, we also hear in uh, culinary education that, um, of course, for the very young, I would say, kids, sixteen-year-old. Uh, um, the parents are uh, also deciding on which education the kids uh, are going to take. And uh, many parents are uh, influencing the kids with, okay, if you look at the hospitality industry and, and COVID, it's not a successful combination. Um, maybe you should look for a different, um, well, career path. So Yeah, I, I think that will influence uh, Jacinta, who... Um, a friend who runs the GMIT, uh, the, the chef uh, and hospitality college in Galway. Uh, that's also the issue there. A lot of parents, and particularly with a lot of mm-hmm. negative stories, the yeah. negative stories plus COVID, uh, plus precarious uh, employment equal, yeah. no, maybe you should go into tech. And that's and unfortunately, that's why we will need uh, immigrants. We will need people who are not from Ireland or not from uh, to, to, to work in, in hospitality. And, and, even before COVID, it was it was like that a lot. I mean, most people, I think, in who work for us are not Irish, you know. Mm. Um, and it is, I suppose, just uh, it's just the way things uh, the way things are gone. A lot of uh, Irish, and also in the UK, a lot of people do not want to work in hospitality because it, it is difficult, and you really have to love it. And it, yeah. it's uh, it's it is it is a labor of love, and uh, and you, I suppose you, but I think it is very. I think it's deeply rewarding, and I think you can travel and you can you get to experience uh, so much. So for me, I was just talking to a nine-year-old actually this morning, asking her if she mm-hmm. wants to become a chef. Because she did one of my cooking classes during COVID, and uh, she was only mm. nine. So uh, and so at least there there is still there is still. Um, uh, there is still uh, the young people who want to who want to uh, uh, who want to cook, but we we will see, I suppose, over the next over the coming months. But I I think that um, after this honeymoon period of the of the summer, I, I think that we will we'll see the reality of, of of what will happen for restaurants this autumn and winter, and we don't know what what will happen in terms of whether it's staff or whether when all the grants dry up and we have yeah. to I suppose carry carry ourselves. Is there another recession coming, or is it it's or not. It's very hard. It's very hard to know. But I, I think gast- uh, gastronomic restaurants will be hit the hardest because, well, they take more labor to run, and mm-hmm. also they, they they require more more football and they require more tourists. So I think that for me, we we will see what happens with it within a year over the next year or two. But we've just renovated, so I'm hoping everything will be uh, 
will 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 uh, will be fine. Yes, of course. Yeah, it's it's super hard to predict, and and sometimes I think, well, maybe it's just here to stay, and we have to find a way to live with it, uh, like we did for many many years with the flu. Um, yeah. And and yeah, we can't. Uh, well, governments can't keep on closing businesses and uh, entire industries in order to, uh, well, get this this. Uh, disease under control it's just not the solution for uh, a longer period of time but well uh, we don't know we we uh, we have to see what happens in the fall but i hope that i truly hope that uh, uh, the summer will be good for you gp with uh, I, I hope so too and, and 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 just before before we before we end i mean what what are what are your plans for i know you've just relaunched uh, gastronomics and if anyone is uh, this thing, I would, I would encourage them to, to check it out or to tell their um, chef friends uh, about it. But what, what is the, the, the future plans or the, the, in, the, in the short term? Do you hope to do uh, the gastronomics in, in, in other languages like French or, or German? Or what, what are, the, what are the, 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 the next plans for you? Um, well, good question. Uh, uh, like you mentioned, we just relaunched the whole platform. So uh, the whole technique behind it is is renewed. And that was a huge investment. Uh, but now we're sort of future proof to start, uh, uh, well, uh, innovating, developing even further. Um, of course, we keep on adding new recipes, new content. Uh, right now, we uh, did that together with you and, and three other uh, ambassador chefs. Um, and that is something that we really want to keep on doing uh, because we see uh, that our users are really excited uh, about content that is, uh, well, from uh, renowned chefs. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I hope that this fall um, or the rest of the year that we can attract uh, several other uh, guest chefs. Um, and besides that, we're looking into adding more knowledge, um, uh, adding, uh, making the search bar more, uh, um, um, more, well, sort of thinking along with you and, and uh, being able to, for instance, uh, filter on uh, allergens because that's a huge topic too. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, our, I never even thought about that. Yeah, so uh, we interviewed a lot of chefs earlier this year, and they all, uh, um, well, in in uh, um, several um, um, cases, they they struggle with uh, allergens be becoming a more, well, becoming a daily issue uh, now, or even uh, multiple times a day. Um, that you have a guest in the restaurant that forgot to mention that he is uh, lactose intolerant or anything, and that you have to think of uh, a dish on the spot or adjust your dish on the spot, um, but also create uh, menus that, um, that you can easily take out components that are uh, containing allergens and, and uh, swap them for components that don't contain uh, allergens. So that's something that we're really, um, yeah, diving into. And, and um, if we're going to do that, then we have to create a lot of extra content. Um, but that's, well, that's the thing we do. It's uh, um, providing chefs with the content they, uh, they need. Brilliant. Listen, look, it's, it has been great talking to you, uh, 
in getting there. Likewise. Hopefully, hopefully we'll, uh, I will see you in October. I still don't know if we, we'll have an audience or not. But uh, we, will, we will have an online um, element this year, a uh, virtual element. And uh, yeah. we're hoping, I think the, the tickets, the virtual tickets go on sale first because we, we know we can do the, the, the online bit. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping we will be able to have two or 300 people in, in Dublin in, um, in, in October. So yeah. um, I look forward I- to it. I'm definitely there at the, the virtually, and I truly hope I can uh, fly over to Dublin and uh, meet you again in person. Fingers crossed. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and, um, and, I, and I hope so. So listen, look, it was great. It was great talking to you, and I, I look forward to, see, to seeing what you do in the future. Thank you so much, JP. Thanks, Inger. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Food in the Edge podcast. If you're enjoying our podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts as it will help us connect with more people like you. We release our podcast fortnightly, usually at the beginning of the month and midway through the month. Our podcast focuses on food and its importance in our society. Each fortnight, we talk to different speakers from around the globe on different food issues that are affecting them. If you're interested in these issues, please subscribe and tell your friends. If you have any comments on the subject of the podcast we were discussing today, please share your ideas with us. You can do so on Twitter and it's at Food on the Edge or on Instagram, which is the same. Or you can also leave a comment on Facebook. Our hashtags are Join the Conversation and FOTE 2021. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the different food issues that we're discussing each fortnight. Is there a particular issue you want us to talk about? Just get in touch. So let's continue the conversation on Twitter and you can find us at Food on the Edge. If you'd like to be in with a chance to win a copy of my cookbook, The Irish Cookbook, share a screenshot of this podcast on your Instagram stories and tag at Food on the Edge.